Mini episode 1344 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1344. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris. And we got a real treat for you here today. We are talking horses, as we do in the springtime, as we tend to do on the show. Uh, the Triple Crown, specifically the Kentucky Derby, and uh, all was a part of our breakdown for that. Good friend, longtime FDH Lounge dignitary, Steve Callis, somebody who you can also catch, of course, on the Callis Remarks podcast with another FDH Lounge dignitary, Joe Stazak. And, of course, Steve is a regular on Joe's show on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. He is the sports editor of the Westchester County Post. You can check that out at westchestercountypost.com. Always a man who is uh, very, very uh, busy in the world of sports and sports coverage. But uh, I do know that uh, horse coverage is always near and dear to his heart, and uh, so he is perennially a part of our coverage as we look at the Triple Crown every year, and uh, with the 2021 Triple Crown upon us, a pleasure to uh, once again tag in my good friend Steve Callis. Steve, thanks for being on today, buddy. Always a pleasure to do this with Rick, with you, Rick. I appreciate it every year, and uh, you know, I think this year is going to be a little more wild than people think. I think it is too, and uh of course, uh, after the schedule that we had last year when the Triple Crown races were when they were, i.e. much later in the year, uh, for anybody that got used to the way that things were in 2020, a real twist this year, uh, Steve Callis, the uh, Kentucky Derby is coming first in the Triple Crown this year, not the Preakness. <laughs> yeah, they had to shake it up, I guess, or everything old is new again. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So <laughs> we're uh, we're starting off in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, as per usual, and uh, with, with last year being the exception to that, and uh, seeing how it's going to go. Now, there are a couple of uh, macro-level stories as we head into this. Uh, one is, uh, and I know that, uh, of course, uh, you have in your family some familiarity with uh, the SEIU. Uh, the, the latest uh, on this apparently today is that uh, they are mobilizing for a strike and trying to get the valets into it. And apparently the valets at the track are very instrumental in the handling of the horses. So that would be a real uh, potential kerfluffle in terms of uh, labor relations here, uh, if that doesn't get worked out in the next couple of days. So uh, certainly, again, they picked the right time as far as trying to get Churchill Downs to come to terms with them here. So we'll have to see if that ends up being disruptive to the race at all on Saturday. Well, it's actually interesting because, uh, you know, the jockey valets get every the jocks. They literally do everything except go out and ride the horse. Uh, and, and certainly they're, you know, it's such a tough game. Unions and the, the racetrack. Uh, when I worked at the harness track, there was some talk about many years ago, unionizing was a transient job. Uh, 
jockey valet. You know, if you have the right jockey and you're his valet, he always takes care of you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it's very tough. And, you know, you're right. My son was a labor union organizer for three years. And, uh, you know, I'm always on the side of the union unless they really do something egregiously wrong. But um, this is the time to do it. It's sad that it's happening. You'd like to think they could work something out beforehand. I don't know if that's possible. But, yeah, I hope it doesn't put a cloud over this race. But once again, you know, if you're going to make some noise, Rick, you're going to make some noise at the uh, most popular time. And I don't think there's a more popular day of the year in thoroughbred racing than this Saturday in Louisville. For Absolutely. And uh, I know that, uh, again, uh, over at uh, WestchesterCountyPost.com, I know that uh, your son is a fellow sports analyst over there uh, with you. Uh, has, has he remarked to you, does he, does he have any particular thoughts, uh, given his background with the SEIU, on uh, what's going on at the track right now? Yeah, he's a he's a total pro-union guy, and he's actually up at Cornell now getting a Ph.D. in labor relations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wants to be a lifer in that area on the side of the little guy, which he's fought for his entire adult life. Uh, and I think his thoughts are similar to what I said, which is, you know, you've got to pick your spot, but... Uh, traditionally at the racetrack, a lot of people are not treated well. And even though I'm sure you can find the rare exception, once again, I think they have to make noise at the most important time. And this is the most important time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pick any couple days at uh, Churchill Downs during the course of the year, this would be those days. Absolutely. Yeah. So they, uh, I I, I don't know why the, uh, the track wouldn't have necessarily seen this coming. They should have. The other sort of macro-level storyline heading into this thing here, I, I, I guess you could say along with everything that we're still dealing with with the pandemic, but uh, this year in particular uh, being one where there is going to be no Lasix, it's completely out of the picture, and uh, we're going to get to see what happens here uh, in, in a circumstance where that doesn't exist. So. I'm curious, does this tie into any of your kind of broad statement earlier about how this could be uh, a wild and unpredictable year? Well, I just think, um, you know, Lasix for decades has viewed to be, on the one hand, the drug that stops the horse from bleeding. On the other hand, the one drug that can cover up other illegal drugs. And it's been a continuing battle for many years, both in thoroughbred racing and harness racing, where, you know, I used to drive and train horses. Um, So I don't know if it'll have a great effect. But again, you just have to be a little concerned uh, in terms of normally if you're handicapping if a horse is taken off Lasix, um, you know, that's not good if he's put on Lasix. The theory is it's going to help him, and I'm putting that in quotes because it's going to help him. Lasix stops you from bleeding inside, you know, through your lungs and everything as you're racing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, with a wink and a nod to some bad guys, and there are some bad guys in this business, you know, I don't know how else to say it say it, um, that it covers up other things. So, if anything, the purists will think it's more of a pure race, but, you know, I don't really think it's going to affect many top horses, because I think since they knew it, frankly, if they were on Lasix, they took them off Lasix enough, so it will not affect them in this race. I don't think that's not what I was referring to, but it certainly is a factor, but once again, there's not really a lot of uh, horses in this race and from what I see, again, most of them who were on Lasix earlier in the year, um, you know, I'll give you Superstock as one example that, you know, just racing through the program, uh, like the King, another. But there aren't a lot of, and I don't know if there are any, uh, frankly, Rock Your World in its first start, but that was last, uh, you know, that was in January, has been since. Specifically for this reason, 
So unless you have a horse that's been racing on LASIK during every race and then they take them off, uh, I think given the fact that everybody knew this, there's literally no horse in the going through it who raced on LASIK uh, in his last two starts. Yeah, and that uh, that gives a little bit of time, obviously, for the adjustments to take place. And, exactly. Uh, that it's a thing where, uh, in, in terms of, of looking at, uh, and I think we'll, we'll talk about some of the uh, notable horses here uh, for, for the race and then uh, see how many of these that we're going to get into, uh, however many you think are appropriate. Basically, I have a small list myself. Uh, let's start with Rock Your World. Uh, undefeated in three career starts, having won the Santa Anita Derby, and of course that has produced four of the last nine. Kentucky Derby winners, and uh, again, uh, started out on turf, has done pretty well in the switch to dirt, going to be a little bit of change of jockey here, Joel Rosario is going to be riding, so we'll see how John Sadler's uh, decision ends up going there. Uh, thoughts on Rock Your World uh, under these circumstances? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on Rock Your World, so I may talk about him more than anybody else, but Rock Your World, to me, was just unbelievable in the Santa Anita Derby. And the most interesting thing I heard that I don't even think he meant to say is necessarily about Rock Your World, but Baffert, as you know, only has one horse in the race. A lot of his better horses were hurt. Uh, but he's a guy who's always got three, four, or five. And uh, Medina Spirit was the favorite in Rock Your World's race in the Santa Anita Derby, and Rock Your World ran away from him. But when Baffert came to Kentucky, still putting Medina Spirit in the Derby, you know, this is Bob Baffert and John Velasquez. I don't know if there's a better combination in the history of thoroughbred racing than those two. But what he said was, I found most interesting was, when you race on the deeper track at Santa Anita, you normally come to Churchill Downs. Don't forget, Baffert's usually in California. He's won six derbies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when he's talking, everybody listens. He said, you really get picked up by the track at Louisville because you're able to handle it better, go faster. And he thinks racing in Santa Anita, and reasons he thinks, as you said, there were four of the nine last derby came from the Santa Anita derby. What's fascinating about Rock Your World, so that's a big plus for him in my book. But what's fascinating, as you know, he raced his first two times on the turf. They switched him to the dirt for the Santa Anita derby. Nobody really quite knows what he's going to be. Um, but he's a candy ride. He's by candy riders in Argentina. A horse from Argentina, but he's been a top sire in America for the last few years. He was the sire of the 2018 Horse of the Year gun runner who could go with distance. He actually has speed and distance in his pedigree. And the dam's father, Empire Maker, uh, as you may recall, uh, in 2003 won the Florida Derby, the Wood. He was the favorite in the Kentucky Derby, finished second to Funnyside, and then won the Belmont at a mile and a half. So there's a lot of pedigree there. And the knock would have been um, in the past, and you heard this forever, Rick, nobody who didn't race at two has won the Derby since Apollo in 1882. Right. Except in 2018, Justify not only won the Derby, he won the Triple Crown. So right. that's now kind of been eliminated yes. as a throw-em-out type thing. Um, as for Sadler, very interesting guy, top trainer in California. Uh, he's been to the Derby before a number of times, but he never came with a good horse. By his own admission, and he stopped in 2014 bringing horses. He said, I was never going to come back unless I had one I thought could win. Obviously, he thinks uh, this one can win. As you were talking about Joe Rosario, um, Rosario is right now the second leading rider in the country. He's replacing Umberto Rispoli, who rode him his last two starts, including the Santa Anita Derby. Rispoli is good. Rosario is a higher level. And oh, by the way, Joel Rosario 
road rock your world in his first lifetime start right and one for five so he kind of knows the horse uh it's not like he's just jumping up on him and oh yeah rosario won the derby in 2013 with orb so i think he's ready for a big improvement and he was monstrous in the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, he was pressured all the way. And then when the Dean of Spirit came to him at the top of the stretch, he said, you know, so long, Charlie. Uh, and uh, I just think the arrow's pointing way up for him. Uh, and I know we'll get to our selections later, but you can obviously tell I really, really like him up. I agree with you on that. I think it's a very, very, very strong horse. And uh, again, since you were talking about it here as a point of segue, uh, Medina Spirit, uh, I, I, the, the funny thing is, is that I happen to live in Ohio, which is the only place in the world where we pronounce this as Medina. There's a, there's a city of Medina, yeah, Medina County. It's Medina to the rest of the world. But uh, I, I knew and looked what the pronunciation would be because this isn't just a race in Ohio, obviously. But uh, this horse, uh, it's never been worse than fifth, uh, second in five career starts. Bob Baffert, of course, is the trainer, which gives it uh, a big leg up. John Velasquez will be on board uh, likewise. And uh, it doesn't really have the typical pedigree of a Baffert horse. Uh, but uh, again, you know, Baffert's won this thing six times. And, and that's the whole thing of uh, can this horse uh, make up that kind of uh, distance on Rockier World in just the span of about a month? That would be the question uh, of, of whether it, it can make it that far. But uh, it's, it's definitely another one of these ones here on the short list of horses that have a chance to uh, make it there. As I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, I don't know when they last hit refresh on this, but uh, 15 to 1 as of the time we're taping this. Yeah, I think uh, Medina Spirit, after again watching him have pretty dead aim, frankly, on Rock Your World, I just don't think, and Baffert was now, look, Baffert might put everybody to sleep, right? Well, I don't know, he's a really good horse, but, you know, I think he was like the third or fourth best horse in his barn over the winter, who he was expecting. This is the only one that he was able to get. Um, to the Derby, but again, Baffert and John Velasquez is the golden trainer-driver cross, for lack of a better term. He was second in the Santa Anita Derby, took a really good horse, but I'll say it again, that's, you know, as you know, it's a mile and an eighth, they got to go a mile and a quarter here, uh, and I think Medina Spirit, like, I might use him in triples or super factors, he might, you know, eke out a good trip, because he's got the post eight, and really the top, top horses seem to virtually to draw on the outside. I know we'll get to that at some point, except no agenda has the one, which is not a blessing in the Derby. But um, it sounds like Buffett doesn't have the confidence in him, and normally he's a confident guy. So again, I don't know if he's doing the uh, rope-a-dope, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, but it passed him. But uh, I think as between Rock Your World and Medina Spirit, given the trip that Medina Spirit had, and that Rock Your World was pressured by another horse the entire race, uh, and then had that aim at the top and just couldn't, you know, remotely get there. He was second by four lengths at the end. You know, he came to him. The Inner Spirit came to Rocky World, and then Rocky World just drew off. So, do I think he's in the mix? I do. It's Baffert. It's Velasquez. They have a good post. Um, but I think he's kind of gone the wrong way. Even the race before that, uh, he finished second. So, he was in the San Felipe, a grade two stake. He was second. He was in the San one stake, he was second to Rocky World, so I just, you know, have a feeling it's going to be too much for him to overcome from a win perspective. Very possibly, yeah, and uh, 
Baffert, again, one of the most media savvy trainers of all time, yeah. if not the most. Yeah. So as far as expectations management, you best believe he's got that going on right now. Uh, by the way, Rock Your World in the 15 spot, uh, Medina Spirit in the 8 spot. Uh, let's jump yeah. to another one that you talked about here, Known Agenda. Like you said, starting off on the rail. Uh, Todd Fletcher uh, training it. Uh, I read Ortiz Jr. on board. And uh, one of the ones that uh, had been uh, one of the, the, the shortest lines uh, coming in here, uh, one of the ones closest to being a favorite, uh, at least uh, before uh, we knew the horse was going to be on the rail. Florida Derby winner, so he's got that going for it. But, uh, I, again, there's always the risk at Churchill Downs that you're going to get squeezed from the number one spot. It's not where you want to be. Yeah, I do, 100%, 100% correct, I just said. Um, I watched Known Agenda, I watched that race a few times, as you said, he won the Florida Derby, and he did get a really good trip, but he did bust to the outside around the turn, I read Ortiz Jr. is a top jock, as you know, he went three wide, maybe even four wide towards the top of the stretch, but he was, you know, down in the whole time, so he really saved a lot of ground, but then, you know, deep stretch, he blew away, won by two and three quarters length over Soup and Sandwich, who's a nice horse, uh, who's also in the Derby with another surplus for him. But I think uh, I think he has a chance to get in. You know, I was reading something about this. I know you know this, but I don't know what the effect will be. They have that new gate at the Derby now. Remember in the old days we used to talk about, I think it was like the first 14 or 15 horses were in a gate. Then they had the auxiliary gate for the last five or six Right, horses. right. I know they, they changed that. Run. This year, they have a gate that's going 20 across. And at least Todd Fletcher, who's the trainer, who's got four in here, and known agenda is probably his best horse, but... Down by down with post position one. I don't know if we, he would still be ranked as, as such, but he might very well be. But he seems to think that with this twenty horse gate, there's a little more room, so it won't be as terrible uh, coming out of the gate. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But I ha I give him a chance to get in the mix. And I will say this: if he was further out, I mean, if he was even you know four, five, six, never mind where a lot of people want to be, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, I think he'd have a big shot, but given where he is, I think he's another one you can use. Um, but I don't think he's going to be able to win. But again, he had a good trip. He was able to bust out four wide. The question is how, you know, is he going to get run over at the start and get away 12th or 13th? You know, that would be a problem. Uh, or is he going to bust out of there, which he has at least some speed? Uh, but again, as you said, for post one, it's a difficult assignment. And it's just incredible how the post Oh, absolutely. And uh, by the way, I would be remiss in not providing a hat tip for, to the Louisville Courier Jr. for a bunch of my research here on this. As I note right again from their website, that uh, the known agenda was sired by Curlin. Curlin has produced a Preakness winner, Exaggerator, and a Belmont winner, Palace Malice, but has not had a Kentucky Derby winner yet. So don't know if this will be the first one coming from that spot there. You know, that's... Uh, that's going to be a, a, a tough one. Uh, another one that uh, a lot of people uh, seem to like is in the number 17 spot, highly motivated. Uh, Chad Brown is the trainer. Javier Castellano will be on board. And uh, this is a horse with, uh, it, it's, it, it, it's one that has a lot going for it in terms of uh, its, its pedigree, 
and uh, what it's been able to uh, accomplish previously. But the number 17 spot historically uh, has been bad uh, at the track. So we're going to have to see uh, if, if, if it can get the job done. But uh, according to the Louisville Courier Jr., uh, Brisnet speed ratings of 102 in three straight races. So you got to like that in terms of uh, just the, the, the raw numbers. And it, it's one where when, when you look at it, uh, that uh, Chad Brown, uh, in, in the estimation of the writer for the Courier-Journal, I'll take their word for it, uh, possibly the best uh, trainer in America never to win the Derby. So uh, it could be, you know, horses can't win from 17. Chad Brown's never won. Listen, maybe the stars are all aligning. We bust a couple of these jinxes here at once. Well, I have to say, and I know we haven't got to the favorite yet, the sense of quality, but in my opinion, uh, highly motivated was better. Mm -hmm. uh, in the bluegrass than the winner, a sense of quality who wore down highly motivated in the stretch. Um, but there are a number of problems with 17 posts again. Look, we're going to talk about, you know, Rock Your World is in the 15, a sense of quality is in the 14, highly motivated is in the 17. Poor Burbonic, who I want to talk about a little later, but he's got the 20, the wood winner. Um, now, this is a dangerous combination, Chad Brown and Javier Castellano, but as you said, Chad Brown overfogged in the Derby. Javier Castellano, a top, top job for a very long time, 0 for 14 in the Derby, and they've got the 17. And I like Highly Motivated. I give him a chance, but it's just, to me, so difficult for him to be as outside as he is. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, he's raced really well. I'll say it again. I think he raced better than the winner. Um, you know, I thought he raced better than his sense of quality in the last race. The sense of quality went to length of the stretch all out and just got up to beat him after uh, he had been pressured the whole mile. Uh, and to me, a sense of spirit got a perfect trip. So, uh, highly motivated, was second in the bluegrass by a neck, but also in the Gotham, he was third. You know, he races in some tough luck. I agree with that. And again, he's another one to me. Although some will say he's got speed, he's going to be the last one to the lead, which is kind of something he'd like to be sometimes. Uh, I think I'm going to use him. I give him a chance. And he does have those three 102s in a row, which is the most consistent and fastest in the field. But again, you get a 102 and you get beat the neck. You get a 102, you get beat the length of the hip. At some point it becomes... You race that race, but you're going to get beat somehow. But do I think he can win? I do. I just think it's going to be incredibly difficult for Post 17. Yeah, it is going to be tough. And uh, since you mentioned it, uh, horse number 20, Borbonic, uh, there will be probably some people playing some hunch bet uh, tickets here, perhaps playing it in combinations with Midnight Bourbon number 10. Uh, so you, you could have some folks that uh, really like their Kentucky bourbon getting on these two here, and uh, uh, you've got a thing where uh, the, the jockey, uh, Kendrick Carmouche, has led it uh, to, to victory uh, in uh, both outings this year, including the Wood Memorial at 72-1, uh, to 1. Bernardini being the sire, so uh, you, you have to like it in terms of the distance here. This is another one of the Todd Fletcher horses as well, so... Uh, again, number 20, that's a, that's a really, really, really tough spot. Uh, and, and according to the Louisville Courier-Journal, nice little nugget here, the last Wood Memorial winner to go on and win the Derby, Fusiachi Pegasus in 2000. So hasn't happened in quite a while. So yeah. I, I'm really, really, really interested in hearing your, your thoughts on this horse. For you to have singled out one of the uh, higher odds horses to talk about, I'm really curious what you got to say. 
Well, it's just that Borbonic won the slowest wood in history. Yes. Yes. But, in his defense, now everybody in that race got a terrible buyer speed rating, as they should. And again, uh, they go 148, 149. Even at 150, you're like, man, this is low. And this race went 154. But, Orbani came from last to first. Now, last to first in the wood was only from ninth. Right. <laughs> this is going to be from 20th or 19th or 18th. And right. I don't, know, I don't know that he can bust out of there and get early position. But there's some fascinating things about him. First of all, he came a very fast last three-eighths. And I know a lot of people don't really focus on this, but I think they should. And I think that means something, even though they were crawling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they were crawling uh, to get to the final uh, uh, final three-eighths of the mile. But, you know, Todd Pletcher is Todd Pletcher. Interesting thing, and you're right, 72 to 1 was the highest wood price ever. And you're also right, or the journal Courier <laughs> is right, in that they... You know, the wood, once upon a time, you know, I'd have to go back and look, but, you know, I think in the 70s and the 80s and 90s, a bunch of horses were me, and it just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, and this is, you know, nobody really, other than the bourbon in the name, I don't think he's going to get a lot of support, especially from the 20. I will say this, had he drawn inside, I would have used him in triples and uh, super factors, because he looks like a horse who obviously can pick up the pieces, and he gets a trip around and he's close but he's, I don't think he's going to be close from the 20 so I don't really like him but the other thing I did want to say is this Kendrick Carmouche is the first black rider in the Derby since yes. 2013 mm -hmm. and for you old time guys and I'm an old time guy no black jockey has won the uh, Derby since Jimmy Winkfield in 1901 and 1902 won back to back derbies and I have at home I wish I had the name of the author in front of me but I have I have a Jimmy Winkfield biography that is fascinating, and if you read up on the history back then, and I knew nothing about it, you know, eventually, I think it was almost like Major League Baseball, I don't think black jockeys were barred, like, by a rule or a law, but I think it was just kind of the way they kept black people out of baseball until, because they, as you know, in the 1890s, into the 1900s, there were some black players. Yes. Um, I can't remember the guy who went to Oberlin who was a major leaguer, one of the last black major leaguers, but it was in the early 20th century. And I think so, too, in thoroughbred racing. Unfortunately, with a wink and a nod, these guys were virtually banned for decades. And Jimmy Winkfield was one of the ones, I think, banned in the height of his career um, and is one of the greatest jockeys of all time that nobody knows anything about. So I would encourage people to get a Jimmy Winkfield biography. I'm sure it's on Amazon. I don't think there's more than one. <laughs> but it was a fascinating story, and I don't think Kendrick Carmouche from the 20 uh, can win this derby. But again, just the fact that no black rider has been in since 2013, it's kind of sad, in my opinion. I don't know how many black jockeys there are, but it's a tough game, as you know. Um, but I think he's got an interesting story, and it's just amazing to me. Pletcher has four in. Pletcher I say only has won two derbies because I remember at one point he was like oh for 45 starters or something. Right. Um, but, you know, for a guy to have four in a 20-horse field and get the one in the 20, it's just, I'm sorry, that's just bad luck. It is. Um, but an interesting horse, an interesting jockey, and of course Fletcher is, is one of the greatest of all time. He really is, and uh, yeah, that's uh, to, to to have them in those those slots there. Uh, it really wasn't his day when they were uh, picking them. I'll tell you that uh, for the positions. As far as uh, we know, this with the Wood Derby, uh, a little bit of a peculiarity also with the Louisiana Derby, the last Louisiana Derby uh, winner to win 
at Churchill's Grindstone in 1996, which is not good news for another one of the horses with shorter odds out there, Hot Rod Charlie, uh, who won by two lengths. And uh, it was uh, an, an interesting uh, ride that he had there. He beat uh, three other horses that are uh, in the Derby and some highly uh, considered ones at that. Uh, trainer Doug O'Neill has won at uh, Churchill Downs uh, on the big stage twice. I'll have another in 2012 and Nyquist in 2016. This is a horse that is in the number nine spot. Uh, Flavian Pratt is on board. And uh, questions, according to the Louisville Courier-Journal, about the pedigree, uh, because Oxbow, who was the sire, won the 2013 Preakness, but uh, apparently uh, this would be the human equivalent of having a bunch of dumb kids there, Steve Callis, because uh, none, uh, none of the other horses have really gone on to do anything. No other grade one winners out there. So... Uh, questionable sperm, perhaps, from the old man, but uh, we'll have to see if this horse can power through on Saturday. Yeah, I think, Hot Rod Charlie, the most interesting thing to me is, um, in the well, the first thing I would say, I think there's only been two Louisiana Derby winners to ever win the Derby. Okay. Mine. But the rider of Hot Rod Charlie in the Louisiana Derby was Joel Rosario. Mm -hmm. You know that he would have first call on Hot Rod Charlie in the Derby. Yep. But when... When, you know, Rock Your World, now, he's, he's riding Rock Your World, obviously, so that's an immediate negative to me for Hot Rod Charlie. So he lost the top jock who had the choice, uh, picked Rock Your World. Now, in defense of that, uh, Sadler, the trainer of Rock Your World, Joel Rosario is his main rider. Mm -hmm. he, he rides for him first call most of the time. So I understand there's a little, and this, was, this is what happened, probably would like, to have a shot on your horse that you just won the Louisiana Derby in, but under under no way, uh, shape, or form to me is Hot Rod Charlie rock your world. And so Rosario made the jump, and that to me is a negative mark against Hot Rod Charlie, just because he's not a good horse, but just because I'm a top jock, I've won the Derby, I can look at these two horses and say I want that one, and the other one is Hot Rod Charlie. So that's kind of the biggest knock, plus again, um, Louisiana Derby winners rarely, you know, you, again, you can go back to the woods way back when, and a lot of them won, but they haven't won, like, uh, one in 25 years, or whatever you said, I think it was 1996, you said, that's not good. If you have two in the history of the Derby to come from the Louisiana Derby and win, that's not good. And on top of all of that, most important to me is Joel Rosario said, yeah, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride and rock your world. And that's an important thing. It doesn't come up a lot, but it came up in this Absolutely, yeah. That kind of tells you all you need to know right there. Uh, the only other horse that was on my list that we need to talk about, and uh, you may have some others as well, but uh, the end of my list is the morning line favorite in the number 14 spot, Essential Quality, trainer Brad Cox, jockey Luis Saez, and this is a horse that is 5-0 lifetime, four graded stakes victories, and uh, a career that actually started, pardon me, at Churchill Downs, last September, and uh, so you, you got a super hot uh, trainer right now as far as uh, how things have been going for him. Then again, no trainer from Louisville's ever won the Derby, and only uh, two horses have ever accomplished the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Derby double street since 2006 and 7, Nyquist 2015 and 16. Nyquist coming up a couple times here today in our discussions. So thoughts on this one here, the favorite as we are taping this right now. Well, I mean, I will 
say he should be. He, you know, deserves to be the favorite. He's undefeated in five starts. Um, but I think there's some real negatives to me. I'll say it again. Highly motivated to be race better than he was. The perfect place to be in a thoroughbred race is right to the outside of the horses cutting in. Highly motivated was the horse on the lead. Essential quality was kind of uh, next to him. And that's a, a striking position. And yet when they turned for home, you thought that essential quality was just going to go right by, right? At that point, he was four for four, undefeated. You know, he won his prior race by four lengths, blah, blah, blah. And it just took him literally the length of the stretch to just get by and went by a neck. So if you ask me after that race who I thought raced better, and I'll say it today, I thought it was highly motivational. But he is undefeated, you know. Um, other problems, Luis Saez is a top jock, but he's 0 for 7 in the Derby. That's a problem for me. And he was also, you'll recall, he rode maximum security to victory in the Derby. Remember that one? And yeah. And he was DQ. And correctly DQ. It's hard to take a horse down in the Derby, but he deserves to be DQ. So when I say he hasn't won the Derby, uh, he crossed the finish line first once a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> but got disqualified. Um, the other thing I wanted to focus on briefly, frankly, is the Godolphin stable. Now, you know the Godolphin stable comes out of Dubai. They've spent tens of millions of dollars yep. trying to get a derby winner. Not only are they 0 for 11 now, they've kind of changed their ways. They used to get these horses and take them to Dubai, you'll recall, and race them there, and then bring them to the derby. That didn't work. In the last, I know for this year and maybe last year, at least having some of their horses race, I don't want to say like normal American horses, but they're racing in America. And for example, essential quality, one good thing he does have going for him is he won his first start ever at Churchill Downs last year. Mm -hmm. But um, I, th I still think, and maybe I'm an old-timer, I think a trip over the track or win over the track tells you something. Um, sometimes you'll hear jockeys after that, oh, he just couldn't you know, grab the track. Right. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about that when you have, and as you said, Brad Cox is a Louisville guy, and Lane Stable is at Churchill Downs. So there is that plus. But Godolphin is not only 0 for 11, and again, they spend, it might be into the hundreds of millions now, I don't know, but certainly tens of millions of dollars. They have sent 11 horses to the Derby in the last, I think it's 20 or 21 years. And not only do they now win a Derby, and that's their admitted goal now. They've won all the big races in Dubai, et cetera. Not only did they, have they not won a Derby, they've never had a horse who was first, second, or third. And to me, that's a problem. But they have changed their ways now a little. Uh, and the other thing which you already talked about, uh, there's been about 40 Breeders' Cups. I don't know the exact, I don't know the exact number. It's about 40. And only two, it, it was viewed to be a curse, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Nyquist did win in 2016. But it was viewed to be a curse because, again, as you said, only two horses in the history of the Breeders' Cup has won the two-year-old juvenile and then come back to win the Derby. So I still think there's a lot going against him. But the most important thing for me, as good as he's been, was in his last race, it took him the length of the stretch. Everybody thought, even Jerry Bailey after the race, I watched that race and I watched it again recently, even Jerry Bailey said, well, not as easy as I thought it would be, but he got the job done. He won by a neck, and he's the favorite for the Kentucky Derby, which he's right. But and, and the only reason I would like him over highly motivated is because of the post draw. It's a big difference between 14 and 17. Mm -hmm. But highly motivated's going. Rock your world is going from the 50. I assume essential quality is going, if not to cut it. But, you know, you got to be forwardly placed in the Derby. 
most times horses don't come from way back in the Derby to win. If you don't leave out of the 14 and the 15 or the 17, and I'll point to Borbonic with the 20, if you don't leave, you're in big trouble. So um, I do not like essential quality. Can he win? I guess I have to say he's got a chance to win. But I really do like Rock Your World more than anybody, and I think he's the live horse, and Darrow's points it up. Yes, he's only raced three times. Yes, he's only been once on the dirt. The big problem for him, as for many horses, uh, is racing in 20 horses. You know, if you get in a pack of horses, uh, the track isn't usually off. It, I don't think it's going to be off this weekend. But even the dirt coming back at you from, you know, six or eight or ten horses, uh, it's a very different deal. How will he handle it? Will all these horses handle it? No, some of them will get really nervous. Um, some of them can't deal with so many horses. And that's why I think it's going to be a blast for the lead. If you see a closer come in and win, I think it's only going to be because these horses knock themselves out getting the lead. And again, a lot of the speed horses are on the outside who are really good horses, like, in my opinion, Rock Your World, highly motivated. And yes, I'll put a sense of quality in there, although I think he's going to be trying to be more forwardly placed and only go out and get the lead. Don't forget, Rock Your World cut the whole sentence and drew off in the stretch. Highly motivated, whacked out the whole race, uh, and just got beat, I think, in the last four or five strides by Essential Quality, and that's why Essential Quality is the favorite. It's interesting, right, because if he had lost by a neck instead of won by a neck, I don't know if he'd be the favorite right now. And that's, you talk about a game of inches, we say baseball, game of inches, well, horse racing. That's an amazing point, and I think you're right about that. I think that these things right around the margins here can really, really go a long way towards shaping perceptions, narratives on, on whether someone's a winner or a loser. Uh, if I'm picking up what you were putting down, then great minds might be thinking alike here because uh, I like Rock Your World to win. I'm going to say Hot Rod Charlie to place, highly motivated to show. How do you see this shaping up? Well, if you put me on the spot like that, I will say Rock Your World to win. I'm going to say known agenda. And I would say Rock Your World over a bunch of horses. That's mm -hmm. what I would do. But if I have to go one, two, three, I'd go Rock Your World, Known Agenda. And I think I'm going to go Essential Quality for third, maybe with Highly Motivated. And I understand that's basically favorites, but I think Known Agenda is going to be much higher than six to one. I don't think, I could be wrong, I don't think Rock Your World is going to be a lot lower than five to one. And I think the numbers will be good. I think Highly Motivated will be great value. I just think, think don't forget, this is like New Year's Eve and drinkers. The Kentucky right. Derby for amateur gamblers. What's everyone going to hear? Oh, essential quality. Oh, he's undefeated. Oh, right. he's the favorite. Oh, I'm betting him. Right. So I think he might go lower than two to one. And I think, for me, the lower the better for him, because I do like Rocky Well to win. But I think he's a, he's a very good horse. He did run down Highly Motivated. I don't know how highly motivated can work out a better trip on the 17. Uh, but I would use those four horses because all you're doing, frankly, is hoping essential quality doesn't win. If one, any one of those other four horses wins, you're going to get real numbers because it's a 20-horse field. Right. And if known agenda is, is, is in the money, I'll say it again. People are, you know, if they do any research, what are they going to see? Nobody ever wins from the one. Oh, the one's terrible. The right. So I think that's where it is for me. And I think you touched on all the horses I was interesting. I did want to talk about Borbonic for all the reasons I did. I think it's fascinating. But once again, just unfortunate uh, that he's not a speed horse and he has the 20. That's like a double kiss. Absolutely, yeah. So 
between the 1 and the 20, as we said before, uh, Todd Pletcher really kind of got screwed over a couple different ways there. And then, of course, uh, just the way that it tends to break, uh, the ones that uh, have the much, much higher odds on them uh, end up getting the better uh, pole positions here, the better, better positions, I should say. Sainthood uh, is in the 5 spot, presently at 50 to 1 and uh, dynamic one in the 11th spot presently at 20 to 1. So I'm sure Pletcher wishes it was the other two horses that had those, but <laughs> such, yeah, such is life. That's the way that these things break. So, uh, again, always a pleasure to get into these uh, discussions with you, uh, Steve Callis. And, uh, again, we will be having racing much closer to what we were used to seeing in 2019 than we saw in 2020 here with the uh, complete weirdness of uh, both the schedule, the fact that the tracks were largely empty, they'll have they'll be at, at least partial capacity through the Triple Crown here. So uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. But uh, as always, a pleasure breaking it down with you, my friend. Same here. I always look forward to this. I do too. Thank you so much. Uh, our good friend, longtime FDH Lounge dignitary Steve Callis, also of the Callis Remarks podcast with Joe Stazak, a regular on uh, Joe Stazak's show on 97.5 FM, the fanatic in Philadelphia and sports editor of the Westchester County Post, westchestercountypost.com. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, everybody, for being a part of the audience here for this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.